Mom, I'm doing Frog Pod. Welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my awesome co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor, who is live from Orlando, Florida, as you record right now. Alan's at tax camp. Alan, the frogs are going to Omaha. This is the first time since 2017. It's been a long time for TCU fans. Congratulations to you and all of Horn Frog Nation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, living out every little kid's dream here starting my career in public accounting and, you know, past that point, I'm excited to see TCU accomplishing their goals right now, making it to Omaha and hopefully we can find some success in Omaha. So, you know, here we go. Things are coming to be real. TCU had a really great weekend this past weekend, about as well as you could draw it up, continued our success in super regionals against schools from the Valley. So, you know, let's see what we can do this week. How about that? Yes, this is TCU's road to Omaha every team that gets there they have obviously a road that gets them there and it's always a storybook in some way shape or form TCU you go to a regional in Fayetteville against Arkansas probably one of if not the hardest place to play in all of college baseball you dominate that regional you come back home unexpectedly to Fort Worth to host Indiana State who was at that time the Cinderella story uh, of all, all of this, even though they were able to host, people were wondering if they would be legitimate. They proved legitimate in their regional versus Iowa and North Carolina. Came to TCU, saw record-breaking crowds from the Frog faithful. And the Frogs, in essence, not coasted through, but they kind of almost comfortably won the Super Regional last weekend. Alan, you were there. Describe to us this the energy the passion from the fans that you saw, because it was truly loved in like no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I guess in one word, it would be hungry. It seemed like everybody there knew what TCU was playing for. For a baseball program that has had so much success, frankly, just recently, to be on a drought for, I guess it would be six years since our last trip to Omaha, everybody knew the stakes. Everybody knew what we were playing for, and everybody knew, frankly, we were the favorite that we needed the fans to allow us to have that edge early on in the Super Regional, which was established, frankly, from the jump and a lot for Clicker to get out of some early jams and propel our offense to give us a lead early in that game one. And then in game two, to allow us to constantly have tough at bats and battle against that really solid Indiana State pitcher, Connor Finlong, and really helped us find ways to win both games relatively handily with not too much stress in the late innings. This was... 
people have been saying TCU's the hottest team in college baseball. And outside of Wake Forest, I don't think there's an argument out there. The Frogs are winning with their bats. They're winning with elite pitching. I mean, Alan, this is still a team that I feel like hasn't been forced to really go deep into their bullpen. People can say one thing or another, but you still haven't seen TCU kind of go to that, okay, we're kind of out. We got to find the guy that we've seen pitch before, but we don't really know if we can trust him in the situation. And obviously, when you get to Omaha, you're going to need to be put in those situations. But it seems like this TCU team, even when they face a little bit of adversity, which they did in game two when Indiana State jumped up to a 2 nothing lead, they don't get phased. They just continue to play TCU baseball. And for the past month and a half, it's been the best brand of baseball you can ask for. Oh, it's been about as good as it's ever been, to be honest with you. When you talk about TCU baseball right now has the best level of athlete across the board as any TCU baseball team in the program's history. And besides that point, you're relying on a lot of guys that have proven themselves in big big moments the last three weeks with the Super Regional in winning and dominating fashion. With the Regional going into Fayetteville in winning and dominating fashion and then running right through the entire Big 12 tournament the week prior, there have been different guys that have stepped up in each, you know, segment of the postseason the first one it seemed like Braden Taylor just was hitting everything he saw Trey Richardson in Fayetteville was the undisputed best hitter in that tournament and then this past weekend it was Cole Fontenelle a guy that we haven't heard from that much recently really stepping up in big moments so it's really cool to see how this team progresses and it seems like we're putting everything together at the right time yes uh, before we continue on the we had Curtis Byrne on before uh, the postseason began. Uh, we weren't able to have any guests the past two weeks because the baseball team has been a, a little bit busy. I mean, uh, they left today as we s- sit here right now. They're actually uh, not even in bed yet, honestly. Uh, yeah, eight, nine o'clock we're recording this. Yeah, they're, they're still out and about doing stuff for Omaha because Alan Omaha is such a cultivated event in college sports. It's it's I've heard and I will get to experience it. Hopefully you will once you're done with tax camp, but it is truly one of the most unique sporting environments that not only America has, but the entire country. You've been there before. Can you just describe what the college world series as an event is like and how it would compare to anything else you might've been to? So I've been lucky enough to been to a lot of different and frankly, great sporting events. And the one thing about the college world series is it's constant positive energy. It seems like Omaha is constantly just rallying around the event. It's almost like a golf tournament in the sense that really nobody's necessarily rooting for a team. They're just rooting for like good baseball and frankly, the players on the field, which is really an interesting thing to see because you have to understand that like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people from all these different schools that travel up there, but a lot of Omaha locals and just youth baseball players make the trip as well. And we'll just, you know, go to the games to enjoy being at the games, which is, Frankly, something you don't see at any other of these massive sporting events that really makes Omaha a special place. Yes, and this year, the College World Series will obviously feature TCU. Oral Roberts, who is a Cinderella there, uh, the third four seed to ever have made it to Omaha. So we have TCU, Oral Roberts, Florida, and Virginia there on the bracket one side of this thing and we'll explain what bracket one bracket two is in a second the other side of the bracket is wake forest stanford tennessee and lsu so how this tournament works for those of you who either don't know or aren't familiar with it is is so they're each bracket like i just said bracket one and bracket two it's kind of in a simplest way 
you have your bracket, you're playing a regional style, double elimination. So you're guaranteed two games and you have to lose twice in order to be eliminated. So TCU's bracket is them, Oral Roberts, Florida, and Virginia. So TCU, in order to advance, or excuse me, to get eliminated, would have to lose twice. The winner of each bracket side will then meet in the national championship, which is a best of three series. So you would have to lose twice as well. So realistically, Alan, you th- this is kind of set up in an interesting way because it's almost like you're battling two different types of events. You have your bracket and then you have the national championship. Now, we're not going to preview national championship, obviously, because the Frogs aren't there just yet. But what are the, kind of the keys to handling this side of the bracket in terms of just the intensity, because it's not like a regional where you have this gap in talent where you have the one seed and a four seed and you, you know, the one seed has home field advantage, you know, all these teams can play and there's really true, unless you're likely LSU or Tennessee is going to bring a large fan base. You're not really playing with home field advantage. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, sort of just managing each game as its own individual game. And another main part of that is, there are built-in off days within this format. Correct. TCU plays on Friday, and their next game won't be until Sunday. And there's a chance that, you know, if you play on Sunday, you might not play again for a couple more days. So it's all about managing that situation and understanding that, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in this tournament, frankly, for both sides. And it's a lot easier to, frankly, recover your bullpen from game to game than it is in the regional format. Correct. In the regional format, it was back to it was you. There was really no true days off. In this format, you were guaranteed a day off. And I will say, Alan, the most important. There's really the, every game is important, but number one, do not lose that first game because if you lose that first game, you have to come back, and you can't lo- obviously you can't lose again double elimination. But you have to come back, and whoever you get in your bracket final, you'd have to beat twice in the same day. So you don't want to have that liberty. And we see a lot of times that teams who do come through the loser's bracket can knock off the team that was 2-0, but it's so hard to be in the second time because this pitching is just not there. And I think that hitting has gotten so good in college baseball that it's almost even tougher nowadays. Another thing is, if you go 2-0, you give yourself two days of rest. So in the event that TCU were to win its first two games, you would play Friday. If you, No matter if you win or lose that game, you're playing Sunday. But if you win both of those and the game on Sunday, you are guaranteed two days off. You do not play Monday or Tuesday, which is huge for bullpen, especially at this time of the year. And, you know, whoever becomes whoever comes out of there two and oh is presumably the overwhelming favorite to advance to the final because of that extra rest day. And the fact that they get that extra game where, oh, we can lose our next game, but we know we have to play another one. So it, it, it's those t- first two games. This first weekend is so important to teams because if you can handle this first weekend, it sets yourself up very nicely for the rest of the tournament. Yeah. And that first game is against a really one of the hottest teams I'll call Iswell right now in Oral Roberts. So it's a team that we have some familiarity with. That, you know, one of our former players, frankly, is one of their reserve outfielders. And we play them seemingly every year. I don't believe we played them this year, which is the first we haven't in a while. But, you know, it's a team that we definitely have some familiarity with, even though that it is a team full of grad transfers. Yes. Shout out to the good friend of the podcast, Jamie Plunk, who put a great review out for 24-7. He really dove into this ORU team very well. And what stands out to me is this team is hot for a reason. They were basically undefeated in their conference. They only lost one game, 23-1 and the Summit League. 
They're entering Omaha with a 51 and 12 record. They swept the Summit League, winning the regular and tournament championships. And they played a very good non conference slate, Allen. They played DBU, who TCU historically has struggled with, Missouri State, who TCU has seen in Supers before, Texas State, that's a familiar team, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, obviously Big 12 team. So this team is battle tested. So it's not going to be like Indiana State. We're kind of questioning the level of play they played at. This ORU team is battle-tested and not to be taken lightly. And who we're going to see on Friday, most likely, is their ace, Jacob Hall, who posted 8-3 and record with the 3.56 ERA. What's very interesting that Plunkett wrote in this article, Allen, he has great control, he has a lot of pitches, he could strike out about a guy in an inning, and he's only walked 15 batters in 93 innings. But he pitches to contact, which was the big thing with Indiana State. And to me, I respect every opponent. But when you're a pitcher that pitches to contact and relies on ground outs and fly outs and the opposing putting the ball in play and making your defense work, you you can't let TCU put metal on that ball quite often because as we've seen for the past month and a half, TCU is finding the perfect spot to place balls, whether that's Elijah Nunez in the leadoff spot or Anthony Silva all the way down the seven hole, just being able to absolutely spray the ball all over the yard. And TD Ameritrade, excuse me, Charles Schwab Field now. This is the first year it's Charles Schwab Field. It's a big stadium. And for a lot of teams, i.e. Wake Forest, it's going to be different because Kind of like Globe Life, it plays big. You got to cover a lot of ground. You got to have speedy outfielders in this because there's a lot of gaps. And in this, you're going to see a lot of triples. You're going to see a lot of throws that guys aren't used to making in the outfield. So, this is a very interesting scenario for a team that's putting a pitcher that can't strike guys out, but he also kind of relies on the, his defense a lot, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, and when you move past that point, when you move past the starting pitcher, that's not the best arm this team has. The best arm this team has, period, is slash utility reliever who could be a stopper for them, Cade Denton, who's actually from Rowlett, Texas, out east of Dallas. So he's the type of guy that is a mid to upper 90s guy with a sort of a nasty little like slider that he'll, he comes into the game and he's the type of reliever that these mid-majors have that they just trust to shut you down for the rest of the game. So if he gets into the game, I'm going to say that name one more time, Cade Denton, number 36, watch out, because that's the type of arm that does scare me a little bit. But, you know, they won't use him early. They won't go to this guy that early unless they're in a situation where they really need to preserve a lead. So hopefully TCU can find a way to jump on Noah Roberts early because that started they got the pride of Bartlesville gave up three home runs to Oregon in their last game and against Oklahoma State gave up five hits and two walks and only two and two-thirds. So he hasn't had a whole lot of success in his two starts against Power 5 opponents. Yeah, Mr. Denton, and I'm not talking about John Denton, the director of our Flying Tea Club, but Denton for ORU is a collegiate baseball first-team All-American. And fun fact, Alan, I don't know if you knew this, ORU has two first-team All-Americans and Denton and a guy by the name of Jonah Cox, who is truthfully, I have admittedly not been able to watch too much of him, but he's a junior center fielder who is currently on a 47-game hit streak. He has a batting average of 420, nice, and he also leads the team in extra base hits and stolen bases. This kid is, he, he can do it all. And, you know, with a ballpark like this, is going to play into, uh, you know, his strengths. It's going to be very interesting to see how the team attacks him with Cole Klecker, because I do believe that Cole Klecker will be getting the start on Friday. I've seen some discourse that people say save Klecker, but 
in Omaha, you got you have to treat every game like it's his last, and you can't afford to bite yourself in the butt with things. Because I understand when people say, oh, save Klecker for Florida or Virginia. Yeah, but what happens if Florida or Virginia is an elimination game? Okay, you have Klecker, but you still have an uphill battle from there. So this Jonah Cox guy, he is going to be uh, fun to watch regardless. Hopefully he doesn't have too much fun against us, but he is truthfully one of the better players in college baseball. And I can imagine that if he likes to go to the MLB draft, he'll be selected quite highly for a junior. And if not, he will be able to come back to ORU, have a great senior campaign, maybe enter the portal and play for an SEC or Big 12 program. Not yeah, it'll spe- be interesting to see how that though. Not to speculate. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out when you talk about the collector situation. I think you do have to go with collector in this spot. It's just easier to play your pitcher Friday night guy on Friday night. I don't think you really need to think about it too tough from that perspective where it's like you've had success doing one thing, you haven't really gotten away from it. Why not keep doing it? So I think you got to roll with collector here. And yeah, Oral Roberts has a lot of bats. They basically scored their way to advance out of the Oregon Super Regional against an Oregon pitching staff that was depleted. But at the same time, they found a way to win with their bats. So they're definitely intimidating from that perspective. And it'll be an interesting matchup for a TCU team that, frankly, has been slugging their way at times and also been pitching their way at times. Yeah, I mean, they had the famous comeback against Washington, they were down 8 nothing in the third, battled all the way back, and they also blew a lead to Oregon, like you said. And that Oregon region was a very uh, exciting region to watch. Like you said, Oregon's pitching. They used so many arms, and they just couldn't really get it done. And Oregon's a, they're on, they're on the rise. They're a very interesting baseball program. I would have loved to have seen them in, in Omaha. Excuse me. But it's just, um, you know, the ORU is very well coached. If you're a mid-major, you're not getting to Omaha based strictly off your talent. I mean, you got to have sub, but you're getting there because you're coaching. And ORU has excellent coaches. And, you know, this is going to be definitely a tall task for Coach Sarlos and, and company because they understand once you get here, everyone can play. There's no team where you can, like, push over, or, you know, treat like a Tuesday night game. This, this is Omaha. You know, every game is a battle, and you got to bring your best and – you know, right as of right now, the only team that I think is higher than the Frogs is Rake Forest. But, you know, if we see them, it's going to be under the lights of a national championship. So it's going to be an interesting one, Alan. I'm very excited. Uh, I will be there this weekend. Alan, you'll be at tax camp uh, or on your way back from tax camp, and you will be able to, in the event of a TC national championship, be there. I sadly will not. Um, so it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting weekend. We hope to get you a pod next week. I'm just excited to see what happens here. But before we leave, Alan, we got got to go back to hot takes because my hot take the first weekend hit. I said there'd be a player who hit multi-home runs. Thank you, Trey Richardson, who we are trying to get on the podcast as soon as the season's over. So keep an eye on that. Second, last week I said there would be a shutout pitch by a pitcher, and I was so close. That last strike was the strike. It was called a ball. Very next pitch. Home run. I was so upset that my hot take didn't go 2-0, but I'm ready to redeem myself. But first, Alan, I need your hot take from the first weekend. Only the first weekend. We're not going to advance anything past that. Friday to Sunday, what's your hot take? Uh, My hot take. So last weekend, I was actually way closer than most people realize. We did hit a home run to all different part, different parts of the ballpark. We just didn't have multiple – we didn't have five guys hit home runs. That was a little bit of wishful thinking, I will admit at this point. But you know what I'm going to say here? I'm going to say we have two guys hit triples. As you said, we had uh, 
it's a big ballpark out in Omaha. And one thing about, you know, Omaha that's different than the last time we went there is some familiarity with the sponsorship. So as you know, now it's the Charles Schwab field. Well, or Charles Schwab Park. Well, now Colonial is the Charles Schwab Challenge. This has happened since 2017. So with the Fort Worth connection to the Omaha field, I think we're going to be able to under better understand the location of the grass and be able to put balls in places that are going to allow us to get more triples. Frogs to have two triples. Bonus prop, Elijah Nunez to have one of them. I really hope Paige Streffens listens to this podcast and listens to you because your hot takes every week are just so fun. I mean, that makes sense. I don't know how you're able to wrap in the Charles Schwab with the park, but kudos to you. Um, Mine is kind of similar to yours. Um, I think in the first weekend we see a TCU player hit the cycle. That's going to be my my base hot take. I mean, we both can be right here very easily. Um, Yeah, easily. If you want me to add on to that, I'm going to go with Carson Bowen to hit the cycle because he's sneaky fast for a catcher. He's not as slow as Curtis Byrne in front of the podcast. I'm allowed to say that. But he puts the ball in interesting. He's just, he just puts the ball in the right spot sometimes. I think he'll be able to have a, a cycle. And I'm going to sprinkle even more on it. It's going to be in the 1-0 game on Sunday. Yeah, no, love to see that happen. And, you know, Carson Bowen is a true freshman. He reminds me a lot of Zach Humphreys. Zach Humphreys really only entered the starting lineup later on in his TCU career. And Bowen's already hitting in the two slot, which is where I believe Humphreys was at that point in his senior year when TCU is number five in the country. So, you know, it's really cool to see freshmen step off, step up, and let's see him step up on the big stage. Yeah, Zach Humphreys, he, w- he was a legend. He's, he's rising up. The Frogs... People always, not always, but I've been asked a couple times, why does the TC have more guys in the MLB? First of all, it's hard as hell getting the MLB regardless, especially when it's not like basketball. Well, it's really not like football where college is the only route in there. Um, and, you know, the NBA mostly is college players, obviously some overseas. In baseball, you can get guys literally from anywhere. I mean, the best player, Dylan Cruz this year, probably he is the best player in college baseball. But, you know, you could have some dude from the Dominican Republic. You could have some guy over in Japan. That's the next best thing. You, so it's hard. But TCU's having a lot of guys, including Zach Humphreys sliding up. Luke and Baker made his MLB debut recently. So you're starting to see it. It, it takes a little bit of time once they leave a college. That's a, that's a whole other rant for another time. Uh, so, yes, our hot takes to remind everyone, Alan thinks there will be two triples, one of them being Elijah Nunez for the sprinkle. I think that a player will hit for the cycle at some point this weekend. All right, Alan. Um, anything else? Uh, nothing else for me, just that the Colorado spread moved down to 19. Ooh. You, you know, remember last year that guy, I forget when he started, but he said every week he was going to put $100 on TCU to cover versus Colorado. I wonder if he'll do that again. Never know. It'll be interesting. It's against a co-prime team this year. So a little bit different situation, a little bit more uh, anticipated matchup. I mean, 19 is an interesting spread. Is there a, I mean, I think anywhere between 18 and a half and 20 and a half is like, basically it's going to cover regardless. Because 38 to 20 could easily happen. And then 41, that's just where my mind's going on that. 
not really anything. To yeah, but uh, you got to also be able to think about like sixty-three to seven covers, regardless. Okay. Wow. Did you have to use? Oh, sorry, that was sixty-five to seven. Okay. Um, that is. It yeah. For- let's not forget Georgia missed an extra point. People forget that Georgia missed an extra point. Griffin Kell did not miss an extra point on that run. So, who who really won? Don't answer that question. Okay, everybody. Uh, we have to thank everybody involved. Uh, in this podcast production, please follow us on the social, spread the word about this podcast. If you're driving to Omaha, please give uh, this a listen. It can occupy some of your drive. If you're making a drive from DFW, it will definitely take up a good part of your drive. It's not all nine and a half hours of it. Um, we like to thank our super fan, Nicholas Capasso, our producer, Jackson Schlossnagel, our graphics designer, Owen Graham, and then our director of content, Jameson Mullen. So thanks you, everyone involved. Thank you guys all for listening. Give us a follow on Instagram, Fraud Pod Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, like, subscribe, share it. Give us a follow on Twitter. We're pretty good Twitter followers. Uh, but that's it for us. Remember to make every day your best day. And go Frogs.